we've been going through Mark, uh, the theme that we've kind of looked at, and there, uh, I sure are more than just this one, but we, we've kind of been looking at through the eyes of the apostles, how they see him through the whole gospel to try to understand who he is is the most important thing. And uh, as we go into this particular text, we're going to get some, uh, a lot of stuff in the last part of chapter 6 here. You're going to get a, a miracle of, of food. You're going to get a miracle of, of nature. And you're going to get a miracle of healing all in one, uh, as they say, swell foop, uh, all together. And it's, it's kind of, it starts to show even more who he is. I think uh, when we read through these, again, we're, hoping and uh, that Mark is taking us by the hand with a lot of aid from Peter to, to try to show us. And as you go into your own life, think about that. If you don't know Jesus, this is supposed to help you figure out who he is. If you do, it's supposed to continue to help you to get deeper. I guess maybe I'll say it this way. You will never graduate from Christianity. I know we, we think that, which is just stupid. I mean, there's no way that you're going to get to the point where you've exhausted your relationship with Yahweh. Uh, and so let's not try. Let's just keep trying to get to know him better. So we're, again, Marcus is probably late in, uh, in or early in the second year of the ministry. It's a little hard to tell. We've just come off of uh, John the Baptist being killed, so he's off the scene and we, we kind of hit that last week but so they return to Jesus in, 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 in verse 30 and told him all they had done and taught so what are they talking about well there was this little flashback that we had last week the week before it was they had gone out into their missionary journeys so they're returning from their journeys here and he said to them come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while for many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desert place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy them something to eat. But Jesus answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the gra green grass. And so they sat down in groups by hundreds and fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said, a blessing, and broke the loaves and gave to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of fish, and those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. So I call this the feeding of the five thousand plus, because it apparently does not include, in the counting anyway, the women and the children. So they're returning from their journey. Jesus often has spent time, he probably did this, when he said, you guys go away, that was good, they're going to go do their thing, but Jesus is doing something too, isn't he? He's probably going on sabbatical for a little bit, I mean, he's taking some time to refresh, uh, I think. Um, and then he's going to spend some time just with them, he says, uh, 
And so the primary reason for the withdrawal looks to just just to kind of refresh, you know. Maybe it be the, I don't know, the games portion of the BBS, the refreshing part. Yeah, I'm sure that's what it is, because somehow we have to make that the most important, because I'm doing it, yeah, yeah, so. The, uh, uh, obviously it's just not the most important of our BBS by any means, but my, jo my job is to, they're trying to refresh, what I'm trying to do in the games is to get these kids so tired that they'll shut up and listen to the next class. Um, oh, there's, yeah, uh, it's needed, very much needed, whether it's, you know, vacations that way for all of us. But, but most likely there was some instruction given. I mean, could you imagine if you were one of these, and you're sitting there, and Jesus is kind of just hanging out. And I mean, I know I would. I'm like, can I ask you something? <laughs> How would you not want to do that all the time? And so he does that. But he says they're sheep without a shepherd. Um, I don't know, and, and we, we, we messed this up. I know I did when I was a young Christian. There is so much of what Jesus teaches, what Paul teaches, Peter, John, all these letters and, and books in the New Testament that go back to the old. Shepherd. Well, we hear that. You know, Psalm 23 probably comes to mind. We're going to look at one verse there later. But look here in Ezekiel 34, and I'm just going to give you a few verses here. So they were scattered. These are the people who are against Yahweh in the Old Covenant. Because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. This is, this is Yahweh talking through Ezekiel. For thus says the Lord God, which if it's, you see that in the Bible, listen up. This is pretty good stuff. Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep and have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered in the day of clouds and thick darkness. So who's going to be the shepherd? Yahweh. Hmm. And Jesus looks and thinks these are people like sheep without a shepherd. I'll let you read John 10 on your own. Or if you want... You don't have to, but this is, you know, it's always nice when you can get an added bonus, right? Um, uh, some of you know Virginia Nelson passed away. We're going to have her memorial service here at 1. There's a little visitation between 12 and, and, and 1, and so if you see some stuff out there, that's what that's for when you go out. But this is what we're going to talk about. We're going to hit uh, Psalm 23, because she really enjoyed that, and then John 10 was really important to her. And I'll just, I won't. We won't get too far ahead, but it's, what does Jesus say in John 10? It's one of those I am sayings. I am the good shepherd. Ezekiel 34, Psalm 23. Should make sense, right? So he's teaching and preaching here. He's in, it's intriguing them, so they keep continuing. I was thinking about, we do have a memorial service coming up, so I can't do this today, but we could vote next week. And we could spend till night if you want. I uh, know Aaron said something. He was going to say something he couldn't think about it was. I have never been able to be able to shut up on my own. Um, so we can go all night if you want. I, I, now, you wouldn't want that, would you? I mean, that would be mean for one because you've got things to do. And I don't, I don't mean that pejoratively at all where we try to end at the same time because that's what the expectations are. And, and I think, you, you know, sometimes you can say a lot of things in few words and you should. But this is Jesus, isn't it? If Jesus was here today, truly, I mean, in, in form, you know, so we don't blow up like we would in the, um, we can see him. And he said, you know, you, you, you all can stay until 
evening if you want me to keep talking. You going to stay? I mean, I don't even care if we go out to get a pizza. I think I'm just going to stay and listen. That's what's happening here. And it gets to the point that there it's so late, nobody's eating anything. If you can talk for hours and hours and nobody gets hungry or can't remember it, you're doing a really good job. And I'll, you, you, we don't have all of it. We probably get pieces of it. But m m what did he teach here? I mean, that would be pretty good stuff. Um, so what happens? Well, they don't have anything to eat. So he says, you give them something to eat. And I, I do, do what you want with this. But again, let me say this first as a disclaimer. If you watch The Chosen, it should get you into the Bible. If you watch The Chosen to replace the Bible, that's not even what they want. But there is a scene, I don't know what season it is, with this, and it's really well done, I think, in many places. But I'll just put that out there. Again, it's to get you to know Jesus better through his word. But why did he ask them that? And they kind of deal with that there, but I just had some possible questions you might ask. Does he just want to see? Is this messing with them? You know? It's like, you know, we're going to eat, eat lunch here. Here's what we got. You got about 20 grape juicy things there, and uh, not even a full loaf there. You give them something to eat. You know, it kind of makes you think, you know. Does he just testing their resourcefulness? It's like we can, you know, well, I've got the Yelp app, and we can, you know. I mean, what are they trying to do here? Or is it to remind them of the dependence on him? Now, this is a these are great questions, but we always say this. You want to know the whole counsel of Scripture. This is the only miracle that's in all four Gospels. And that's John's fault. Because a lot of them are in the three, what we call the synoptics. But John has some uniqueness. So let's, can we go over to John? Is that okay? See what maybe, he, okay, let's do that. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, so now we know who he asked where are we to buy bread so these people may eat? And why did he do that? Well, we know. Next verse. He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. He just, I mean, so he just, I don't think he's playing with them, but he's kind of saying, what are they going to say? And I think they do a pretty good job. They, they all eat. Uh, we're not going to hit this parable real hard because we still got some water walking and healing to go. Uh, but look at the end. All eight. And 12 baskets were left. Do you think that's just coincidence? Not 11, not 13, but 12. And I, I wonder if it could be symbolic of God providing for the people throughout the 12 tribes in the Old Covenant and then providing for us through the 12 apostles in the New. Um, I think it's pretty good. Uh, maybe more to it. But, and I think in your bulletin, I forgot the three in there, but it's Psalm 23, verse 5. We have that, right? You anoint my head with oil. My cup, what? Yeah. It's almost like you get more than you need. Maybe 12 baskets more, you know. It's kind of in the back. And, of course, the whole shepherd thing's going in there. It's just really kind of cool how this kind of works together. But we're going to move on uh, because the next word is immediately. And as a pastor, if it says that, you move on. Immediately, verse 45 he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Asadia, while he dismissed the crowd. So he says, you get in, the, I'll do the ushering. I'm going to get in the boat. 
And note, I, I didn't put this in here, but notice, was there a negotiation here? Yeah. And did they say no? <laughs> They're starting to figure out who he is. They know he's got power. And they really are starting to believe him. So, af- so they take off, and after he had taken leave of them, he went on the mountain to pray. I, I, I remember as a young Christian, you know, I was so smart. Um, oh, man. Uh, thinking he's like, you know, I got the word, you know, the praying is like, man, whatever, you know. Because, you know, once you get the word, the prayers, you don't need them as much, right? Because Jesus never had to pray, right? Man, that's pretty stupid, wasn't it? Um, I mean, here's, here's the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, incarnate, and I'm not gonna, we're going to get into the theological abilities that he has. It's got to be pretty good. Do you think he's got a good connection with the Father? Sinless, fully human, yet fully divine. And when he goes off by himself, he still prays. It might be something you need to do. And hopefully and you get to where he is and, and get there. Hopefully you want to pray. And as we think about communion and things, here's one more little verb to think. Hopefully you realize that you get to pray <laughs> because all things being equal, you have no business. What happened to Moses when he wanted to see God's glory? It's what a privilege. There's a song, I think. How's it go? What a privilege to carry everything to God. You want to sing it? No, you don't. Okay. What a friend we have in Jesus. It's not about Jesus being our friend. It's about prayer. I don't know if you knew that, but now you do. So he sends these disciples on, but he's going off to pray, uh, which is just go. I, I, well, we get some of those prayers. Um, John 17 is a really good prayer. John Six, or Matthew 6 has a really good prayer of Jesus. Um, there's a, but we don't get them all. I wonder if like Colossians 1 or something is Paul kind of reiterating some of Paul or Jesus' prayers. But, um, and then, of course, there's all those prayers in the middle of the Bible, right? Psalm. It's a bunch of those. I'm being facetious a little bit, but you want to know how to pray? I just gave you a lot of reasons. Go see how God wants you to pray. You know, people, uh, evangelicals are good at that. Well, we just need to have it on our heart. And it's like, yeah, but I mean, I, even myself, I mean, it's hard sometimes. It's like you can really pray some silly things sometimes. The hardest one is when you pray to the Father and you put him on the cross. No. You know, I've, I've actually done that. I remember doing that once. You know, you're a little nervous, when not so much now because I've done it so much. But when you do corporate prayer, which, again, for Matthew 6 is not the big deal. Just learn how to get to know him in your own time with him go into the inner room jesus said but i remember praying that oh you know father you know we thank you for doing all those things for dying on the cross and you go on and i had somebody come up and said the father didn't die on the cross oops thank god we're grace church right that's what they're yeah yeah that's but again use those prayers um and there's different, you can, different ways to do that. The Psalms have about every type of prayer you would like. If you're mad at God right now, there's a section for you. If you're having trouble praising God, there's a section for you. Go to the end. If you just need some comfort, there's, there's, there's Psalms there for you.
It's almost like God knew what he was doing when he put those in. You're actually praying God's words back to him. So you know they're right, which is really cool. So the reason Jesus is going to walk on this water is because he wants to help them, and we're going to see that. Let's continue. After he had taken leave, he went on the mountain to pray, and when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, and their hearts were hardened. Hmm. So ultimately he's trying to help them, but he saw they were struggling, but he's going to pass by. It just seems so odd, doesn't it? But here, let's go back to the old covenant. And you might have known, once in a while, I'm good enough to weed that children's sermon right into the main one, or vice versa. That word, pass by, that phrase, it's used a couple times in the Bible, in the Old Testament. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of a rock, and I will cover you with my hand that I, that I have passed by. Same, you know, and, again, and then in Job, he alone has spread out the heavens and marches on the waves of the sea. So you've got this, he's passing by, he's on the sea. I hope you see this. He's, he's doing Yahweh things. He's doing the same things that Yahweh, and he does that. We get that, we had that in chapter two. You know, he says, the guy comes through the roof, you know, your sins are forgiven. And what do they think? Well, only God can forgive sins which they're right. He's doing Yahweh things. You know, we, we think sometimes that John's the only gospel that has any real deep theology of his deity, but it's in here if you just read it. So this wasn't to ignore them, but to be seen by them. He wanted them to see his power here, just them. Again, we're going through trying to figure out who he is, and Yahweh is the sea walker. We get this from Job. Yahweh says to Job after Job quit bellyaching for 33 chapters, which I would have done worse because of what happened to him. Have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? He's the, uh, he's the water walker, you know. Nobody else gets to do this. And then take heart, you know, John 16. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Good verse to know if you don't. It has to do with courage and confidence. You know, wouldn't it have been easier if they had just said, you know, God, he did it before. He, Jesus is the smartest person in the world, and he's the best weatherman that ever was. Not only can he can predict the weather, he can change it. And he did that. He could have done that here, but the waves are against him. It's like there's a, you know, there's a metaphor here for the struggle of our own lives, isn't there? He's still there, but they're still tr struggling to understand. Their hearts were hardened. When you hear that, you have to ask the question, by whom? And what's your two most possible answers? Was it hardened by God or was it hardened by them? And I'm not going to get into these two because it's a whole other sermon, which we've already decided I'm not going to do today. 
Second Corinthians 3 and Ephesians 1, are those, those verses there really work with that a little bit. I mean, I guess I can just tell you it's kind of both. Um, I guess we'll just sum it up this way. If someone's heart is hard, God understands it and can use it. But they're not innocent of, the of, of being. That, that's kind of what these tell us. Uh, but they do better job than that, especially that Second Corinthians about how that works. God will use it, uh, but uh, it's up to you. I mean, think about it. Is there a promise in the Bible that says, thou shalt make your heart hard? That is not the goal. So don't, don't do that. It, mean, it means, you know, calloused against what God is. Get in the word, see who he is, follow him. That's what he wants. So let's sum up here with, uh, or finish up here with these last few verses. When when they had crossed over, so they've gone across after this feeding, they came to the land at the Gesenaret and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized them. He's in Gentile territory here. And ran about the whole region and to bring the sick people. So you know what they've heard about. On their beds to wherever, uh, wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. It's not the, you know, the woman that grabs this is the only one that's doing this. Um, and as many as touched it were made well. How many weren't that touched it? Yeah, none. That's, and it's pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. Uh, so he's well known in Galilee. He's well known across the sea. He's well known everywhere. And wherever he goes, he's healing everybody. No one does he turn away. And again, you know, all these miracles, what are they for? You've got to kind of come back up to the bigger picture, which is hard for us. It's hard for me. You know, we talked about this, I think, on the Saturday morning Bible study. Um, and if you're looking for a Bible study, at what point now? We've got one on Sunday at 930. That's for, uh, I think, as we say in Texas, all y'all. Um, so, and then we've got one on Tuesday up at the... Donna Reed Theater opening place there by that restaurant for the men. I don't, would we turn women away if they came? Probably put them on a different table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it is a men's Bible study, you know. But, uh, and then eventually we'll, we'll start up our Wednesday nights again. Uh, we'll start doing that. We'll have one there. Yeah, this is just for the adults. This isn't even talking about the kids yet. Uh, Thursday morning we do have one for women. And would we let men in? They let me in. Yeah. Yeah, well, you don't have to, but y you do. Very gracious. And then Saturday morning we have one, too. But we were talking about on Saturday morning how, you know, we've got, the, and I guess it was this morning, too, we have the chapters and the verses, and we can drill down, and we're doing that a little bit here, but sometimes we forget the big picture. And we always want to kind of step back, and, you know, the miracles. Yes, we if we just read this, you could make the case that everybody who comes today to ask for Jesus for healing, he's going to give it to him, but he never says that. This is what we call a descriptive text. It describes what happened. We, if you want to know what God has promised you, then read the text where he promises you something. That sounds fairly simple, but it's hard for us, isn't it? What is he, prom what is he doing this for? Again, we're trying to figure out who he is. Now, did it help these people that they were sick and they were healed? I suppose. But we don't find anything about their faith. You know, sometimes we, got this, we get this in the Bible. Sometimes people believe and they want to follow it, or excuse me, get healed and they want to believe and follow it. 
And other times they get healed and they just run off and they don't even care who he is. Well, you can see that healing can be fickle. And if it's not the main thing, if the reason we were created was not to just live this life but the next life, then it would make sense that maybe we're not always healed when we ask. And then back to that John 16 verse, how does that fit? In this world you will have trouble. Tribulation is the word. Same word you get in Revelation, if you wondered. Uh, but, I always like the buts. The buts in the Bible are so good. But this is, a, this is a really big one. Be of good cheer. Stay joyful, for I've overcome the world. He's talking to his disciples there, but I think that extrapolates to us. So these miracles are to help people understand the power and identity of Jesus. That's the big picture. It doesn't mean they don't help the people of the time. Yet Jesus understood the limited effect, and we're going to go back into John real quick here to help you out. The limited effect, this is back to the feeding of the 5,000. What are they after? Here's a couple verses. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you. That's amen, amen. If you, now you know a Hebrew word, amen. Uh, I'll probably say it at the end of my prayer. Um, you are seeking me. Not because you saw signs, but because you, you're fill of the loaves. You're seeking me because you want more miracles. And he teaches that consistently throughout. If the reason you're coming to Jesus is to, to get what he can give you only, then you probably will not find him. It's kind of the old adage, do you want the master or do you want what's on the master's table? And if you go for the master, he'll give you what you need. If you go for what he can give you, especially if he hasn't promised it completely. No, he has promised stuff, right? If you repent, he has promised that he'll forgive you. If you're by yourself or you're lonely, he's promised that he'll either himself or other people, to, he could talk to him, that prayer thing. You can do that anywhere. And even if you're not feeling it, pray to feel it. We all do that. It's hard. I know it's hard. And he's promised he'll protect you from evil and, and help you overcome temptation. That's always true. Well, let's grab onto those. And then later in that same, it's, I just wanted to, you know, he said to the, I am the bread of life. That's why I did this miracle. It wasn't just so you, you know, so you didn't have to go to McDonald's. This was because so you'd see who I am. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I think we have to remember why he really came. And it's really not that hard. I'm not sure I like it. When there's people I love that I want healed, I, I, I'm, I'll do the bargaining prayer. I know I'm not supposed to. But again, these miracles just show his identity well. Back to, he is the shepherd of Ezekiel 34, God himself. He has the same power as the one who sent manna from heaven. He does that in kind of a way with his feeding of the 5,000 plus. He has the power to march on the sea as only Yahweh does. He keeps showing this stuff to us. And he has the power to wipe out sickness with even a mere touch of his garment. I wasn't going to quote this, but it just came to mind. It's in uh, Joni Erickson's uh, When God Weeps book. And if you Joni Erickson is a quadriplegic Christian for many years. And I'm not sure I like this quote, but I think it's very biblical. It's, it's her quote, but it sums it up. 
Because we have people out there that say, if you're faithful enough, you'll get what, you'll get what, you know, you'll get healed, you'll get money, you'll get whatever it is you want. And then you read this, and it's like, that does not seem the way Jesus is doing it. And, you know, these are pointing to his deity. He's the one to be worshipped and obeyed. He wants them to know that, but we'll end on this quote. She says, I believe that the Bible teaches that it often takes more faith to be sick than it does to be healed. In this world, you'll have trouble. But be of good cheer. I'm the one that can give you what you need. Trust me. Let us pray. Father, as we look through these wonderful uh, miracles, the miracle of feeding so many people, thousands and thousands of people, just a few loaves and fish. The miracle of walking on water like it's land that only you can do, and the miracle of healing people of diseases that natural healing methods just can't do. But we're not, we know, to presume on these things, but to thank you for sending the one who has power to do these things because the power he really came for, we celebrate in the communion that was removing our sins so that we can live with you eternally. As we go through this life, knowing that sometimes trouble comes, may we remember that you're always with us, that your rod and your staff, they comfort me, and even through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil, and ultimately, you anoint our head with oil, and our cup overflows. Amen.